¿Qué pasó, cuchinos ensucias? I'm that vato gallo. Cuchino chingón on all social media. Welcome to another episode of Sucias are my favorite. Today I'm going to talk about hypnotherapy, but not in the way I had before. Today I'm going to talk about my results. But before I go into that, I want to let you know why I needed it. And before I can even go into that, I have to tell you my mindset, my personality, I guess, to understand why I was, or I am, the way I am, or was. Eh, you tell me. So, growing up, I was always the biggest kid on my street, in my grade level, for my age. And I don't mean fat. I mean, most people would assume that I was one to three years older than what I actually was. And there's other kids on my street that were about my age. They were between six to ten months younger than me. And they were shorter and of smaller frame. I call them like petite friends because they were just tiny. And growing up, sometimes we'd wrestle in, in the ditches in front of our yards. The problem was not that I was good. It was just I was bigger and stronger than them. So eventually they wouldn't wrestle me unless they could all wrestle me at the same time. I had to be on one knee the whole time and I had to have one hand behind my back. And that was the only time that they would agree to it. And eventually they just got tired of doing that because they didn't want to lose. Growing up back then, I also knew that some of them had medical conditions or medical issues and they needed medicine for whatever the issue was. Like at the time, I know that it was mentioned, but I don't know or don't remember now what those issues were. And I also knew that most of them took uh, multivitamins growing up. And so in my mind, I made this correlation and took it to heart that if you need medicine, you need it because you're weak. So if you take medicine, you're weak. And that just was deeply ingrained in me throughout my life, so much that I never even touched drugs or weed or anything like that up until a few years ago. So growing up after this, of course, growing up under machismo and the idea that the more women you're with, the more of a man you are, and other factors that came into my life that you've probably or hopefully you've listened to some of these, my episodes that explain that in more detail. But essentially, I was just chasing women from... 16 through, well, actually through middle school, I started, but I didn't actually have sex until my senior year, so 17. But from then on, my dry spells were measured in days, not weeks or months. So other than basic training, I didn't wait for more, maybe a week at most. That wasn't until I got married and my wife, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't in the mood, didn't want to put out. So in my mind, I just had it set like, hey, I'm married. I should never have a dry spell more than 24 hours. And so if she didn't want to have sex, well, then fine, I'm going to have sex. Whether or not she's a part of it, that's on her because she didn't want to. So that's how bad I was in my sex addiction. It wasn't until after we got our divorce that I came to the realization that I was a sex addict, that it wasn't some buzzword that Hollywood used or celebrities used to kind of patch things over with their wives or to get out of having to pay alimony or getting out of you know, getting in trouble, essentially. Like, I thought it was just some made-up excuse. Like, I didn't think it was real. Then I came to the realization that it was real, and it was an issue, and it was a problem. And so I took on six months of celibacy to work on myself and become a better version of me. And then that is when I also started uh, exploring and doing some research and learning about uh, meditation, NLP, hypnotherapy, uh, chakras and all this other stuff. Chakras, not so much because there isn't so much uh, stuff out there. And by research, I don't mean, oh, I just Googled it. I actually used a thing, it's called Google Dorks. So basically in the Google search, you can put in their file type, colon, uh, PDF, docx for 
Word documents and specify what file type you're looking for. Instead of looking for web pages, you're looking for files on the internet. And you can say only search for websites uh, that end in edu, so basically universities. So any PDF or document that's on websites that are usually end up being people's theses or thesis. Thesi? What's the plural of thesis? But in any case, um, so in doing that is where I got, you know, deeper understanding of some things. And if there wasn't something I understood, I'd look at the uh, bibliography, see what their sources are, and find out that some source was, uh, has a Wikipedia page, or they've been interviewed on YouTube or interviewed somewhere else, and the clips are on YouTube, and go uh, learn that way. And then, of course, I'd fall in a rabbit hole on YouTube and watching random shit as well. So I've always had a curiosity, or not always, let me phrase that. I've had a curiosity since realizing my issues are based on my mental health or ignoring them or normalizing traumas and ignoring issues that I had is when I really dove into trying to understand the mind and the things that we can do in ourselves or the things that our bodies and minds can do. And I'm sure you, or hopefully, but I would think you've probably heard of stories where a baby is trapped under a car and the mother lifts the car from the side. Like she'll lift a car three feet from the side like she was some kind of jack, pulled a baby out and dropped the car. You know, those, those kind of stories that just seem unreal, but it is possible that our mind can make us or give us the strength to, or push the adrenaline out to do those things. So after I realized I was a sex addict, started dating another woman, got remarried, I had a motorcycle accident and broke my hip. And your hip is three major bone structures. The ilium are those two parts that if you put your hands on your hips, those are the two, that's uh, two big structures that are connected together in the front by the pubic bone. And in the back, they connect to your spine or to your uh, tailbone. And they're connected to each other with cartilage. Well, in my motorcycle accident, I pulled the ilium apart from each other and from my spine. My right ilium was kind of tucked into my rib cage. And once he put me all back together, it took several months before I could uh, walk again. I was in a wheelchair for a few months, then using crutches and finally able to walk. But once I got out of the hospital, I was in constant pain from 2016 forward or onward. And this pain is hard to describe because it's not a muscle pain. It's a pain in the bones. And I've never had leukemia, but I think maybe leukemia patients might be able to understand this. Uh, It feels like being crushed from the inside out in the bones and then also uh, stepping too hard down on on something like uh, stepping down from steps or uh, jumping off a a patio or, you know, jumping off the last step or two from a ladder or whatever. The shock of landing on my feet felt like a hammer was hitting the inside of my socket. And that's a pain I just live with because I didn't want to start taking pain medicine, especially opiates or opioids, and get hooked and have to take higher dosages just to get less relief. So I just live with the pain. However, this pain caused me to sleep between one to seven hours a week. You know, some some weeks I'd be able to sleep two hours a night. Other weeks I would sleep every other day for about an hour. And when I would fall asleep, I would either wake up because of pain or I'd wake up because I had to pee. But another problem with my hip injury is that when I went to go pee, it wasn't streams anymore. It was trickling. And it was a second or two of some trickles, pause, some more trickles. And in my mind, or at least, it felt that I was squeezing the bladder muscle to push out. And 
you know, squeezing as hard as I can and only a little bit comes out and then I have to take a breath, reset and push again. It's kind of similar to giving birth, not the pain of giving birth, but the, you know, whenever they say the contractions, okay, now push. And then they pause and then they push again. That was kind of like what I had to do every time I had to pee. Every now and again, if I had drank a lot of water or whatever I was drinking, sometimes I could get a decent stream out. But even then, it was only two to five seconds of a stream. And then, yeah, right, I get it. You know, TMI, you don't want to hear this. But I just couldn't pee normally. And so I never really felt like I emptied my bladder. It was just enough to not feel the urge or the need to have to pee. So that's another thing I had to live with. Fast forward to me moving to Reno to work at Tesla and Reno or Nevada being a medical state. Though when I moved here a few months later, it became a recreational state. So I'd heard that CBD can help you deal with pain. And of course, you know, you go to a mall or at least back then you can go to a mall and buy CBD anywhere before it became recreational. You know, some head shops sell it now and even now when non-medical, non-recreational states, you could get CBD, though the quality would probably be questionable. So I preferred to go to dispensary. So even though I paid a little bit more, I knew it was CBD and it would deal with pain. And there's different types of CBD. CBD is the common term for like non-THC cannabinoids, but CBD is just kind of like a general, or uh, not a general, but a specific type of cannabinoid. There's CBN, CBG, Um, If I'm not mistaken, or if I recall correctly, CBN helps you fall asleep. And CBG is specific for pain. Or maybe I got those reversed. But So I'd buy those two to um, deal with my pain. And then I'd take the first one to like lessen the pain. Once the pain was down, then I would start taking, or I would take the sleep one so I could fall asleep and sleep a little bit longer. And I would have to cycle on and off. So I'd have to go two or three days using CBD, two or three days not. And then I would be able to get roughly three to four, maybe five hours of sleep a night. And although ever since 2016, once every two or three months, I would just sleep for 12 to 20 hours just out of sheer exhaustion because my body couldn't take it anymore. So that's the status of the problem. But on top of that, I also had an ED issue, erectile dysfunction. Now I could still perform from time to time, but not as frequent as I liked. So. I was more, I guess it made me average in a sense. So instead of being able to have sex several times a day, I was only ready to be able to have sex hmm, twice a week, maybe three times a week. Although the difference being is whenever I had a new female, a new um, fuck buddy, then I would be ready to go with them probably twice a day. And, but that would only last for a week or two. And then eventually like the newness of them faded. And I don't know if that's just a a mental thing because um, having spent my 20s and 30s fucking everything just a few times and not making or not developing close bonds or close relationships with most people or most females, maybe that was some kind of um, psychological thing that my dick just got bored of whoever I was with. So then I, unless I had a rotation. So if I had uh, three or four females, which was usually the case, then I would sleep with one or two and not at the same time, but one or two, you know, during a week. And once I got tired of one or once my cock stopped working with one of them or not working as well as I'd like it to, then I would rotate out and see someone else. Then of course I would also use the blue pill. Although 
I would actually use a Cialis Viagra combo pill. And so it worked like Viagra, but it only kicked in once I was aroused. So fast forward to, well, a few months ago, started doing a podcast and decided to reach out and figure out how to find guests. And I forgot if I found this one through, no, it was through Facebook. And there was a Facebook group on essentially finding podcast guests. And my request was essentially, hey, look, I have a podcast about, uh, I'm a sex addict. I have a podcast about life, dating, and relationship advice. If you have anything that you can talk about on those subjects, let me know. And you can book yourself on a call so we can do a podcast together. And J. Robert Parker reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, I got an idea. I'm a hypnotherapist, but I think I have something that I could provide to help people with their relationships. Okay. And my assumption was that he was going to try to sell or uh, talk about using hypnotherapy to make you a better partner, to make you be more attractive to other people. I just thought hypnotherapy was somehow going to be tied into dating or relationships. In a sense, it was, but it wasn't specifically hypnotherapy. It was just understanding kind of the basics of it. And in case you missed the episode, it's called Hypno What? And one part of that is most people are either physicals or emotionals. And that's just a label for the type of language they need or use to be able to hypnotize a person. But it also kind of gives a um, overall picture of who someone is. And it's almost... Well, not specifically, but it kind of lines up with whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, but not always. Jay Robert explained that usually opposites attract where, you know, one person in the couple is a physical, one's an emotional, and usually they kind of match up. So if someone's high physical, then they'll date someone that's high emotional. If they're low physical, they date a low emotional. And the idea was more how to communicate better with your partner because physicals, like I am a physical, I associate or um, see relationships that if I'm not being touched, if I'm not being kissed or having sex, then I think that my partner doesn't love me or doesn't care for me because she's not giving me what I want. An emotional wants the relationship to feel solid, wants to have an emotional communicative connection. And understanding that can help make your relationship easier because knowing what your partner wants and knowing what you want, you can better communicate your wants and needs to make your relationship more successful, more healthy. And before he came on the show, I spent four or five days uh, listening to podcast episodes where he was a guest on, and he would explain and demystify hypnosis. He did a uh, session with a guy that had a fear of heights. That was a very interesting episode to listen to. So having spent that last week hearing all these things about hypnotherapy and um, demystifying a lot of it, and speaking with him, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and book a session. So I booked a session with him. And originally my issue was, hey, I want to not need, I want my cock to work the way it did before, like back in my 20s, but at least before I broke my hip and worked on that. And I did feel a tingle. I did feel um, afterwards. I did notice that I was getting more frequent erections than I had before the hypnosis. And I thought, maybe this is a placebo. You know, let's, I'll put it out of my mind. Next session we did was dealing with pain. And that one, oh my God. So doing that one, I immediately felt relief. Like as soon as we were done, I just was surprised that I could just have more flexibility in my hips. And it wasn't even flexibility, it was just being able to move without pain. Because 
my range of motion was limited not because of my tendons. Of course, that would be the upper limit of it. But I would stop myself because it would hurt too much to move outside of normal stepping, walking, standing, sitting. You know, kicking my leg to a side or swinging my legs from side to side in front of me or any motion that would be like swaying or hip rotation would just be too painful to deal with. So fuck it, I can't do it because it hurts, not because I couldn't physically do it. And afterwards, I mean, I was just kind of bouncing around and swaying my hips from side to side, thrusting front to back, circular motions, just everything, just surprised that I have this range of motion and didn't have any pain. That night was the first night I could sleep for four hours, uninterrupted sleep, without any medication, without any drugs, without THC, CBD, anything, and not being exhausted and having to just crash for hours on end. It was also the first time that I got restful sleep in years. If you ever watch um, any of my live streams on Reddit, which I do on Wednesdays at 6 Pacific, you can see dark bags under my eyes. And that's just lack of sleep for years upon years now. And that was my, okay, I really got to do a follow-up episode and talk about all the great things about hypnotherapy because for me, it really worked. And I would have liked to have thought that I'm the type of person or I have the type of mind that couldn't be hypnotized or couldn't be broken with torture, or, you know, interrogation or anything. But I'm glad that I am, in a sense, because I was able to be hypnotized, able to tell my subconscious, well, not me, but with Jay Roberts' help, tell my mind to turn down the pain. It's not necessary. I don't need to feel this pain all the time because pain is usually an indicator that something's wrong. But I already know that there was something wrong with my hip. Turning it down was just phenomenal. And I've been having the best sleep for the past week, actually. And just sleeping four hours at a time. I haven't been able to get a full eight-hour sleep. Um, usually I'll wake up four or five hours in, go take a piss, and go back to sleep. Another bonus, though, is with trying to work with the eat my erectile dysfunction, I can now piss in streams. And I don't think you can understand or I'm pretty sure you probably take for granted being able to pee or empty your bladder whenever you go to the restroom. And sure, sometimes you don't empty it all the way, but being able to empty it and not have to go for hours versus having to go every 30 to 40 minutes is annoying. It's frustrating. If you want to know more, check out twinravens.org, O-R-G, to check out some episodes from J. Robert Parker where he has been on other podcasts talking about hypnotherapy and get an understanding or better idea of what hypnotherapy really is. And if you decide to book a session with him, let him know I sent you and tell your friends about it if it works. If it doesn't, tell your friends too. Let him know, hey, I tried it, didn't work. Be honest. And that's what I'm trying to do here. Any case, I am so thankful now for the progress I've made. Still going to see more sessions. I want to get some other issues worked on and taken care of, removing some, I guess, mental blocks. So thanks for following along. Thanks for listening. I love you. You're worthy of it. And until next time, vessels.